0: Um, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Isaiah 61, we're going to read the first couple of verses there. And while you're turning, just wanted to remind those of you who are involved in um, small groups to go ahead and sign up there so we can uh, know the amount uh, per group there, uh, just to let them know. And uh, I think there's sign-up sheets out there in the foyer. If you uh, will stand with us for the reading of God's Word, Isaiah 61. Verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the day of the vengeance of our Lord, to comfort all who mourn. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we do want to thank you that you uh, have worked in Thad's life, our pastor. We love him so much. I thank you that you saved his life and that you are healing him. The, The enemy thinks he's won when he does things like this. But in reality, you are working your faith, your strength, and your trust in our lives, Lord. Father God, as we come to worship you and just hear this music, Lord, I pray that our hearts will not be distracted by the things of this world, by the sin that so easily entangles us. I pray that you will, we will worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you for sending your son to become one of us, to, to empathize with us in all the hardships that we have gone through. Uh, thank you that um, he died on the cross to save us from our sins. And not just died on the cross, but he rose on the third day um, in the, the power of the resurrection. And that same power, we have that as children of God. So I pray that you'll give us that strength and remind us of that power uh, to help us overcome sin and distractions um, this week. Christ sings in your name. Amen.
1: All around, it's Christmas And this is what we've been waiting for The carols playing everywhere The children's laughter fills the air We celebrate the birthday Of Jesus Christ our King We're ringing in the season The best love Gift of the race forever. We treasure
2: the hope. Of-
3: Good morning. No doubt, you know we just sang about the song, that we consider Christmas the most wonderful time of the year. Although sometimes it does get rather busy, right? We do look forward to spending time with friends and family as we celebrate time together. Uh, of the most, uh, one of the most enjoyable experiences that we do have around Christmas time is singing Christmas carols. Of course, you know now as the world gets a little more secularized. Uh, people tend to listen and sing uh, Christmas songs. These songs, are, uh, they're, they're written mainly to celebrate the celebration. But uh, carols are different. Uh, you know, they're written to celebrate the true Christmas story. The story of how God sent his son to the earth to save his people from their sins. Um, because sin is that hopeless state that all people are faced with. And only God can provide the means of salvation for all mankind through his son, through his perfect son, Jesus Christ. Now today, we're going to celebrate uh, our Savior by singing carols of Christmas. Uh, But before we start, we might just ask ourselves exactly, and maybe you've thought about this all your life, I don't know, exactly what is a carol? (laughs) Uh, Carols actually have been around for thousands of years. Uh, far be far uh, uh, before uh, Jesus ever came into the world. Uh, as a matter of fact, carols were songs of actually songs of praise and joy that were used by a variety of people for all the purpose of celebration. Uh, as a matter of fact, the word carol means dancing. So we're not going to dance for you today, and we're not going to have you dance, but uh, but we are going to sing. Now, early Christians, however, began to uh, adapt these types of songs to include Christian themes. And the first Christmas carol was uh, believed to have been, uh, it was used in a church service, it was believed to have been in the year 129 A.D. However, it wasn't until the 1200s when St. Francis of Assisi, uh, he, he became known as the father of the Christmas carol. He had people play and sing these what they call canticles, Uh, for these nativity plays, and these new carols, what we would call them, became very, very popular and spread throughout Europe. Well, in 1640, however, the Grinch stole Christmas. Uh, Yes, there was a real Grinch. Uh, As the Puritans who came into power in England, they stopped the singing of Christmas carols, And the political leader of the day, Oliver Cromwell, he just stopped the celebration altogether. Well, as well-meaning as as these people really meant to be, uh, if you wanted to celebrate Christmas, you had to go underground to do it. But it wasn't long until the Victorian age uh, when there was a rebirth of the Christmas celebration. And the singing of Christmas carols became popular again and were being uh, sung in church services and even out on the streets. Thus, the celebration of caroling also became very, very popular. In the 1800s, uh, it became, uh, the, these traditions really grew in England and in the United States of America. So today, we're going to carry on those wonderful traditions of celebrating the birth of our Savior by together, together, singing the carol of christmas and all you are encouraged to join in now when you see on the screen back here when you see when it says congregation and choir that's your time to to get in on the fun and uh, i'm going to be directing the choir but please the way you're going to really be able to enjoy this today is to get involved in this please when that happens you just sing out and have a good time but please join in and when it is your time to sing So right now, why don't you join us as we sing the Christmas carol celebration.
1: Oh
4: should have known better. You told me 15 minutes, Ron. Thad said 20. (laughs) When Ron asked me if I would bring a 15-minute message between the two portions of the choir's presentation, I should have... uh, I mean, I was an idiot. I can't do that. (laughs) But a promise is a promise. And I'm on the clock, so we'll have to just get to it. I want to thank you, choir. Uh, As always, um, they do a wonderful job. And uh, they, they do a wonderful job saying anything. But uh, today, to be singing these carols and reminding us of all the significances and importances uh, of that baby that was born in Bethlehem, Uh, what a wonderful thrill it is for me just to be able to to sit back and listen. And also, the visualizations, uh, the words that I don't hear too well, I can read them. And so it, uh, it helps me a great deal. I don't know about you, but I appreciate uh, the way it's presented to us this morning and, and what is presented to us. I thought, well, I've got 14 minutes. Uh, what in the world can I say? Uh, somebody said, well, what are you supposed to do? I said, well, I'm the halftime show. Uh, it's, it's halftime, and I'm, I'm to keep your attention until... Uh, The teams can get back on the field, so to speak. But I want to just remind us of what we just heard. If you were listening, and if you were watching and reading the words, what do these carols tell us? Well, they began by telling us that Christ is the reason for the season. Now, that comes as a shock to us, doesn't it? I thought the reason for the season was to have 40% off at Macy's and 60% off uh, at so-and-so. And Christmas is a chance to get out of school for two weeks. And Christmas is the chance to have parties. And Christmas is a chance to open up presents under the tree and all of that. And listen, I, I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things. But the ma- vast majority of our country, that is probably all that they do. And they miss it. They miss the real reason for the season. And it is to celebrate the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And before he ever contemplated going to Calvary's cross, which was a, an agonizing thing, thing for him to contemplate, In that garden, the night he was arrested, he sweat drops of blood. Uh, It was stressful. He wasn't being stressed out because they were going to nail him to a tree and stick a spear in his side. Uh, He was stressed in his humanity because for the first time in all eternity, the eternal Son of God, was going to take on the sins of the world and face the judgment of Almighty God because of sin. He was going to be separated from the Father. I'm telling you, that happened. I can't explain to you how it happened. How can one person manifesting himself in three persons be separated from himself? But that's what Christ did. And only until then was he dying for the sins of the world. And they sang about that. Uh, they, They sang about the fact that he was not just a baby. He was a savior sent to redeem us. He didn't come to be idolized. We do idolize him. That was God made flesh. That's what happened. I can't explain to you how it happened. But somehow, the eternal Son of God became the babe in Bethlehem. He didn't stop being God. In addition to being the eternal Son of God, he added, at that moment, a human nature apart from sin. He became, I learned this in seminary, he became a theanthropic person. That's a compound word meaning God-man. He was every bit as much God as God the Father. But he also became the Son, incarnated as, as a human. He could understand what it was like to be a part of humanity. He became a part of humanity. But his mission from the very beginning was always to one day redeem us. He was named Jesus because the angel said he will redeem his people from their sin. He was a redeemer. He was a revealer. He came to reveal the Father. We were all saying, well, tell us about the Father. What's he like? And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He then said, I and the Father am one. Now, that's what happened. I can't explain to you how that happened. Again, in theology class, we learned that that's the hypostatic union of God and man without creating a schizophrenic. He wasn't schizophrenic. He was a divine person with a human nature without sin, and he was on a mission to redeem sinful men from their sin. They sang about him being the Prince of Peace, the Son of Righteousness. He laid his glory by. He didn't stop being God. He just chose not to act by his own divine power. But his theme throughout his earthly life was, I have come to do the will of him who sent me. And he did the will of him who sent him by the power of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit, by the way, that indwells in every one of you who've put your faith and trust in Christ. i still got a few minutes. He was born to bring the second birth. Zechariah had a hard time. I mean, Zacchaeus. What do you mean born a second time? i got to go back in my mother's womb? Jesus said, you're a ruler of the Jews, and you don't know about these things? Literally, you must be born from above. So you were born into humanity, Zacchaeus, but now you must have the new birth. You must be born from above because it is God who saves. It is God who regenerates through the power of the Spirit based on the work of the Son at Calvary. Emmanuel, God is with us. God has become one of us. He's also the king. He's Christ the king, Lord of all. That little baby born in Bethlehem was the product of two very important people. You say, duh. Uh, Mainly Mary. She was the physical mother of Jesus. Mary, by the way, can trace her descendancy all the way back to King David through Nathan, one of his sons. So Jesus had royal blood through Mary. Joseph, according to Matthew's genealogy, he could trace his genealogy all the way back to David through Solomon, who was the heir to the throne. And so those two people, and only those two people, on all the earth at that point in time could produce a child not by Joseph, but by being conceived by the Spirit. Joseph was the stepfather But nevertheless, as the stepfather, he could give Christ the right to rule. And Mary gave Jesus the authority, the blood right to rule. And so he was born to be a king, the king of Israel, the Messiah, but also the king of all and the Lord of all. The shepherds came to Bethlehem and they bowed before him and they worshipped him. They saw who he was. Our choir sang of the deep, deep love of Jesus. From of heaven he would come. His origin wasn't earthly. His birth was. His origin was heaven. He was the eternal son of God. At Bethlehem, humanity began. But at Bethlehem, deity was already there. He died on Calvary's cross, and he rose from the dead. That's why he's mighty to save. He accomplished everything that was necessary to deal with the sins of all men. So Christ the babe, he is Lord of all. Noel, Noel, born is the king of Israel. He came to save us from the darkness. He came to bring us peace on earth. Until you come to Christ, you'll never know about God's peace. And most of the people in this world who are outside of Christ, that's the one thing that they've learned their money can't buy. That's, that's the one thing they can't achieve in their own effort. The peace that gives you that eternal security only comes from that babe who was born in Bethlehem. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Well, all these things our choir sang about All glory be to God on high, and to the earth be peace. Goodwill will henceforth from Him come from heaven to man. And when it begins, it will never cease. If you've put your faith and trust in Christ, you know about that peace. You know about Christ and who He really was. So, what conclusions do we draw Well, first, it's just not enough to celebrate the birth of a baby. He was a baby. He was a glorious baby. But to the world, it stops right there. What a great story. A baby was born in a manger. Hey, that'll sell. We can't let it stop there. That baby was born into a royal family. He was born King of the Jews. He was born to die. He is the Savior of the world as well as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He saves men on the basis of his death at Calvary's cross. There he accomplished reconciliation. He tore down the wall that separates a holy God from sinful men. He redeemed us by his own shed blood. And he satisfied all that God would ever demand for our sins. Otherwise, he would not have cried out, It is finished. It's all been done. Now, God says, To you people that are big on gift giving, I want to offer you my gift. I want to give you the gift of eternal life. I want to give you the gift of sonship. I want to adopt you into my family, and you'll be my child for all time, for eternity. Well, how much will it cost me? Is it on sale? No, you can't buy it. It'll never be on sale. It's too precious. But God loves the world so much that he says, I will give it to you if you will receive it by faith. John says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. And he's our king. He will come back one day. He has a destiny to rule and reign over all this earth and over all creation. And so I leave you with a question how do we respond to that kind of message? How do we respond to what we've just listened to and what we've just been reminded of concerning who this baby Jesus Christ really is? If you really believe that he is what they have proclaimed him to be and what the scriptures proclaim him to be, if you really believe that there's none other like him, I think it's appropriate that we j- just in our spiritual mind and heart, we should bow down and worship Him. Assuming that we've received Him. How do I receive Him? As many as believed. Believe is the verbal form of the noun faith. Same Greek word. If it's a verb, it's to believe. If it's a noun, it's faith. It's not works. It's not what you do, it's your believing what God did for you. That when Christ was on the cross, he wasn't dying for himself. He had no sin. He had your sin. God imputed the sins of the world to him, and he paid the penalty in full. And to the one who believes, God reckons that one as righteous. We receive the righteousness of God. We have a glorious future. And we have a pretty good present if we'll honor him as the Lord of our life. And as the choir continues our message and song this morning, I challenge you, if you've never accepted Christ, just right now, talk to God and say, I want him. I want him as my Savior. I believe he died for me. Your word tells me that. And then open your heart up so that he can fill you with praise and adoration. And we can worship the one who is our revealer, our redeemer, our ruler to come. The world wants us just to see a baby. God wants, them, wants us to see Jesus Christ for who he really is the eternal Son of God, who because of the love of God came to die in the place of sinners so that we might have forgiveness and the hope of everlasting life.
5: that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city.
6: And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger.
5: The shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us.
6: in a manger, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the sayings which were told them concerning the child, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds.
5: And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen.
1: shepherds watch their flocks by night all seated
3: sung as George says about a tiny baby but a tiny baby who was also the savior of the world he just happened to be the same savior that the prophets of old predicted would come he's the same savior that John the Baptist prepared the way for He's the same Savior that the angels in heaven proclaimed to Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds. He's the same Savior that the magi who followed the star presented gifts worthy of a king. He's the same Savior who left heaven's throne as creator and came and dwelt among us and taught us the true way of salvation. He's the same Savior who humbled himself and washed his disciples' feet. He's the same Savior who prayed for us and sweat drops of blood anticipating his cruel death of crucifixion. He's the same Savior who willfully took the nails in his hands and his feet and he hung and he died on a bloody cross for you and for me. He's the same Savior that defeated death and rose again. He's the same Savior who promised to never leave or forsake us by sending the very Spirit of God who would come dwell within us. He's the same Savior who now stands in heaven pleading our case before the Father. And he's the same Savior who will come again and will set up his kingdom forever. Now isn't he the Savior that we need to worship today? As as the last song said, we need to give him your praise, your life, your everything. Worship. Worship the King. Would you join us right now and, and in an humble silence? I'd like for you to speak to him and acknowledge that he is your Savior. Thank him for loving us by coming and paying our debt that only he could pay so that we may possess the righteousness, his righteousness and spend eternity with Him. Would you just please take a moment, and then we will conclude by singing our final carol of worship together.
1: No!
4: five minutes now. (laughs) Wasn't that glorious? What are you going to do next week? (laughs) I remember days in seminary, Glenda and I were members of the First Baptist Church, Dallas, Texas. The great uh, pastor W.A. Criswell, Wally Amos Criswell. And uh, they were looking for a new music director and they interviewed some various men, and they would come to Dallas, and they would rehearse the choir to sing. And one guy came, and he really wanted to be the music director at First Baptist Church Dallas. That's the way they said it. And uh, he would fly in from wherever he came from, and he would have rehearsals with the choir. Uh, They took out the first three pews, so they could put in the First Baptist Church of Dallas, the orchestra, and uh, they had just remodeled, and the choir loft was extended right up to the balcony that went around the entire auditorium, and new people were coming into the choir, and the choir had swelled to where it, it came out of the choir loft up into the balcony, and it went partly around the congregation, and. The Sunday came when he would have his official debut, and uh, it, it was like what we 've heard today was glorious. I thought the roof was going to open up, and, and that Jesus was going to just come and uh, He had his special with the choir and the orchestra, and I mean people were just stunned by, by the, the the magnitude of the quality and of what they, they presented, the, the the music and the words. And it was just, you couldn't do anything but say, praise God, praise God. And he finished, and he went and sat down, and his buttons were about to pop off of his vest. And Chriswell came into the podium, and he said, Oh, he said, we have heard the angels of heaven sing before us today. And he turned to that boy, and he said, and if you're our music director at, here at First Baptist Church, Dallas, he said, we'll expect that every week. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see the air going out of him. <laughs> but they hired him. The orchestra stayed. And uh, it just got better and better every week. So we, we are excited. And if you want to be a part of it, there's room for you. We'll, we'll find a place for you. Ron, I know, would love to just see the choir continue to grow so they can do glorious things like this morning. I hope you have uh, enjoyed it. But it wasn't just for entertainment. Uh, I hope that you enjoy it in a sense that it's a wonderful reminder of what Christmas ought to be. The focus ought to be on that babe who was the Savior of men, that babe who was God incarnate. That that babe who would go to the cross and endure all that he endured and then rise from the dead three days later. And 2,000 years later, there's no court in our country that would uh, be able to prove that he was not raised from the dead. They never found the body The evidence is overwhelming by the millions upon millions of people like you and I, who, if it ever came to it, would rather die with Jesus than live without him. And I challenge you, he doesn't want you to die. He wants you to live and to let Christ live through you to be a witness to our world, that he is the one who said, whosoever will may come. And if you're here today and you've not come, uh, that's, that's a serious issue that you need to face. Uh, I'm here. There are others. If you want to discuss things, we'll be glad to do that. But I just hope that we can all leave today saying, I want to just praise him in everything I do till the day I die. And that will be glorifying. Thank you for coming. And Father, uh, as we come to the end of this service, We do thank you for allowing us to just be a part of this time of worship and adoration. Uh, We thank you, Father, that you loved us so much, that you gave us your very best. You gave us yourself. You died for us as sinful creatures because you wanted to redeem us, that we might have eternal fellowship with you for ages to come. Thank you for not only giving us a great hope, but you also are a great provision in the here and now. You dwell in us, and you promise to give us grace sufficient for every need, for every cause. We thank you, Father, that life is worth the living for those who live in Christ Jesus. And we say all this to the glory of his name, in whom we pray, amen. We're dismissed.